Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. How are we doing? Did you miss me? I missed you. Uh, you're just being nice. It's okay. Um, so at the, the last couple of, of weeks, um, what we spent time on is something I'm today going to call a spark, which this is running, you know, like a nice little spark that can cause a fire. And we're going to see that. It's a, it's a story of the death of a very strong Christian and leader in the, the early church, Stephen. Right? And by the way, um, if you were here, we had uh, we, we covered a, a lot of ground, right? And, and when, I, when I carved out the Acts series a long time ago, like what we're going to preach each week, um, I got to the, the story of Stephen and the whole speech, and I'm like, there's no way we can do two chapters in one week. That'll be crazy. But then as I looked at it, it's like, you really can't carve that up. Ah, I'll just deal with it when I get there. And I got there, I got to go on vacation. <laughs> and Darren got it. So he did a much better job than I probably would have. If I had preached two chapters, we'd still be here for that week, okay? Uh, so, um, but we have that, and Bob did a great job kind of uh, bringing it to a conclusion. And, and so that uh, spark of the death of Stephen. Now, if you... Um, if, if Stephen was here with us, he would say, uh, my dead, lifeless body under a rubble pile of rocks, more than a spark, Jamie, sorry, right? But in the grand scheme of things, with the thousands of people, right, who are become Christians in the church at that time, it was a spark that would, would basically turn into fuel, this enormous fire, right? Sort of like, you want me to do it? Who want, the 11 o'clock people, you're such wimps. Ah, there we go, Scott. Scott's like, yeah, do it. The building fund will really need help next week. Um, I'm not going to do it because I did do it if you were here a long time ago, and it floated up into the ceiling. So I've, it's like I tell my kids, learn from your dumb mistakes, right? So you're going to have to use your imagination, right? You all seen it, right? And, 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 or maybe like you buy a new grill and for a week the ignition works and then you got to light it by hand after that. Uh, and it, whoo, like that, right? That's what we're going to see happen, okay? And, and, um, and, and what that death of Stephen, for some reason, they say, oh, wow, this is great. And there's this, uh, uh, it kind of catapults, it, it fuels the fire. For some reason, I'm not, can you put up the first slide for me? And, and, it, and it fuels this fire of persecution to the church. It just spreads them everywhere. And, and, and while they're uh, in that fire, they had to have been thinking, why? Right? Why, God? Why am I? We're just trying to be obedient. We're just trying to do what you, things are going great. We have all things in common. We're praying together. We're worshiping together. Why? And, and, and that's the same question a lot of us might be asking right now. Why? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening? Right? And so I want to ask, and as we look at this, this passage together, uh, a few what if questions. And the biggest is this. What if, really what if, God is doing something in your pain? That God is actually working a purpose in that fire of your life that you're in now or coming. Because we know how life is around the bend. Let's pray before we go to that passage together. Lord, I pray that you would um, show us your spirit. Because you, you know, Lord, better than I certainly do. You know all of the, 
the pains that are in this room or with us online today, you know the, the, the pain of life and how much it can really, really hurt. And sometimes, Lord, just trying to follow you in a world that largely hates you is hard. And so, God, I pray that you would show us that there's purpose. You'd remind us that you're doing something, that none of it is meaningless or pointless. I pray that the story of Philip and others like him all those years ago would, would remind us that it's the same with our story. Bless us by your grace, and we pray you receive the glory of this time together. It's in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, so if you're going to, I'll put it on the screen, but if you're going to follow along with your Bible or use a pew Bible, it's Acts chapter 8. Boy, I go away for a couple weeks, and boom, we just, a couple chapters. Love it, right? Um, And and so uh, if you want to do that, if you don't own a Bible or you know someone who doesn't own a Bible, uh, we just restocked some of the empty spots. So feel free to grab them and we'll restock them again. It's our gift to you. You don't have to owe anything. We want people to have God's word. So feel free to, to grab. If you're just using it, Leave it behind, all right? Um, oh, also, as you, as you turn to Acts 8, um, I, I, I know that last few weeks and coming weeks, it can be overwhelming how many things that are starting out, like new ministry, this ministry, that ministry, and, and small life groups and classes and all that. And that's great, but sometimes it can feel so overwhelming that you don't know what, what to do if you don't already do something. And so I just would say, just do something. Just do something. Sign up for a group or a class or like, oh, I'm interested in helping with bread or the youth group or something like that. And just, just do something and, and don't get overwhelmed by it. You don't have to do everything. Some of you try that, you burn, crash and burn. So um, just try to do something. Okay, so in, in, um, in, in, in Acts, remember, this is all about this mission that Jesus gave, right? He, he, before he ascended, he said, he said, go tell them of the gospel, right? Go, go to Jerusalem, and that's gone, awesome. Go to Judea. This is the suburbs of Jerusalem, so they've been, you know, they've really had to come to them, but they have gone a little bit to Judea, but then go to Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. That's not happened yet. And we're, we're several years into this, and it's almost like they're like forgetting about that. Well, God has a way of pushing us out of our comfort zone, and that's what we're going to see him do. So as we see this, this persecution start up first, he introduces a character. And remember, Luke, the writer, uh, of Acts, he, he loves to introduce future important characters earlier on. We've told you that. And so he does that here in verse 1. Right after the death of, of Stephen, it says, and Saul approved of his execution. And remember what that's saying, right? He's saying that, that Saul thinks that bloody, dead, not breathing body is a good thing. Right? That's what Saul thinks, right? And so Luke continues and says, And here comes the fire, right? And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So so, uh, you see here that what happens, right? They're all kind of gathered, all things in common. This is great, right? Boom, it's like a bomb is blown. Like, like for whatever reason, the death and martyrdom of Stephen has caused him to say, yeah, let's go get more. And this persecution happens, and it's just driving a bunch of Christians away from the city, which seems like a horrible thing, and for them it was a horrible thing. But what do you see happening? Here they are in Judea and Samaria. Be careful not being obedient to God. He might just push you there if you don't go on your own. 
And that's what we see. That word, as we'll see again, scattered. It actually is a word that you would use uh, in the Greek for seeds. Right? So when you scatter seeds, it's with a purpose. It seems kind of like not really a purpose. But then the seeds do what? They plant and they grow and they flourish. And so these people are, are scattered and they end up in Judea and Samaria. Now, except the apostles. Most scholars don't think that this is just 12 guys stayed behind. We know there's a whole church in Jerusalem. What we think is most of this persecution was targeting a group, and that was the Hellenistic group. Remember them from when the widows weren't getting food? And I told you Hellenistic meant they were Greek-speaking and a different culture. And they were in Jerusalem. They were different than the Hebrew uh, culture. And so there was this real clash uh, uh, at that time. And Stephen was most likely Hellenistic, and so was um, Philip. And, and so a lot think that that was sort of targeted at them. And so a lot of the Hebrews were okay for now. But you know the old adage, right? When they come for someone else and you're relieved, they will come for you eventually. And it will happen. So you have this almost split. So some, like the apostles, they stay in Jerusalem, but then you get this whole group pushed out like a bomb went off, right? The fire of persecution is raging. Verse uh, 2, devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. You're going to see a contrast here. Like verse 2 says, like, you're allowed to bury a man who has been killed for capital crime. I mean, he didn't really do anything, but that's what they said. And yet, you weren't allowed to lament for him, but they do it anyway. So you have on one hand, those left behind, lamenting over this amazing brother in the Lord Stephen and his death. And, and you picture that scene right to verse 3. Luke does this on purpose, right? He says, um, but Saul, <laughs> Saul's the opposite. He was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and he committed them to prison. This, this is a, 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 the, the words that Luke chooses. You're meant to see Saul as a, a wild animal focused on destruction, like a grizzly bear made to hunt you and kill you. That word ravaged is what it, it's often a word they would use with, with, with bears or lions or tigers, like, like just ravage you. And so Saul is a grizzly bear bearing down on. Like it's like if you um, and I, I don't know why you would do this, but use your imagination. If you and I went for a hike and we were walking, right, and we had hiking boots on and I um, suddenly stop and I take them off and I start putting running shoes on. Some of you have heard this before, but that's okay. Stay with me. You stop and you look at me like, what? why are you putting running shoes? That's not really fit for hiking. And I'm like, there's a grizzly bear that's coming after us. And I'm out of here. And you're like, you can't outrun a grizzly bear. Those things can run like 70 miles per hour. I know it's like a cheetah, but whatever. Stay with me. It can run faster than you. And I say, well, all I have to do is run faster than you. <laughs> I know, old joke, but I like it. No, I would come back for you. Actually, I wouldn't. What, am I going to fight a grizzly bear? I'm not going to do that. Sorry, right? So, so that grizzly bear, just, just imagine it's coming after you. Have you ever seen a video clip? That's terrifying. And that's not your cuddly little bear you can hug, right, at an amusement park. That thing's going to ravage you. I point that out because the church, this is how they see Saul. He's zealous to destruction. Nothing's going to stop him, right? Like, that's his personality, as we see later on, right, is he is zealous to destroy. And he becomes, the, he becomes the face of persecution, the face of the horror that the church is, is going through, right? And so I wanted to, just to stop there for a second. And a lot of you know this, right? Probably most of you. Uh, but 
uh, something would happen to Saul. And we'll get there for real in, in a few weeks in chapter 9. But it, he, he was grizzly bear Saul on a horse going to destroy. And remember, he's dragging not just men but women. Like That was just considered like easy buddy, right? Take it easy. But he, would, he didn't care. He, he, you, you are fair game. And so he's doing that. He's bearing down. And Jesus literally knocks him off his horse. He's blinded. He's lying in the dirt, right? And here's how Luke puts it. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And of course, he's confused, blinded. And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And notice what Jesus doesn't say to to Saul. He doesn't say, why are you persecuting my people? doesn't say that. He doesn't say, why are you persecuting the church? No, no. He doesn't say, why are you persecuting the mission? Never says that. He says, why are you persecuting me? That's so important for you to remember even today, right? Because he's saying, because we sometimes think Jesus ascended to heaven and went to the right hand of the Father. He's like, all right, good luck. I'll be back. I'll give you the Holy Spirit and he'll help you. But he, he promised to send the Spirit because it's his Spirit. Where he says, I will be with you to the ends of the age. So, so much so that when, when persecution comes at you, it comes at Jesus. When it comes at the church, it comes at Jesus. Right? And, 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 and the, the question that I want you to ask, the, the what if question, is what if you really aren't alone in the fire? Like you really understood, I'm not alone. Because the enemy loves to isolate you, prowls around like a lion, and that's what they do. You're by yourself. You're the only one going through this. Right? That, that, that every time you feel pushed to the, to the boundaries of society because you stand on biblical truth and you try to follow Christ, you try to do it his way, mocked, persecuted, left out, hurt, and you're just like, the whole world's going this way. Just give up. I'm exhausted. I'm weary. I'm done. How would it change your attitude if you really understood you are not alone? Jesus is with you in the fire. You remember the story uh, from, from Daniel? His three friends? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. I said it real fast. That's, that's the last time I'm going to say it. Remember, they, they were told, uh, there was this, they're in a foreign land, right? Nobody's, they're just trying to trust God, stand on his truth. And they're told, if you, if you don't bow down to the statue, right, you're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. And they refused. They were like, oh, I'm not going to do it, right? And so the king clenches his fist. He's so angry, he tells, throw them in there and turn it up so high that it actually kills some of the people outside of the furnace. And you can just imagine the king, he's just looking in, like, waiting to see him practically melt it so hot. But what does he see? sees all three of them walking around in the furnace, not even singed. And then he sees a fourth, doesn't he? With them. An angel of the Lord, which many scholars and I tend to agree, was a pre-incarnate or pre-Christmas appearance of Jesus Christ himself. You see, when, when, even when Stephen, who, who did die, you remember? Who did he see? Who was standing there? Jesus. 
This isn't just something we say in church. This is something that, that, that you have to understand in your mind and your heart because you're so often going to feel alone. And as you look around and you're like, why is this world so crazy? It always has been. We're just catching up to it. You're going you're gonna to be tempted to just like forget it. I'm going to give up. But you're not alone. You're never alone. And so you don't give up. And if you feel like you're knocked down, you get up and you brush yourself off because they can come at me, but they, won't, they, can, they can put me under the biggest pile of rocks they want. They can bury me under the deepest sea they want. They can drive me to a foreign land like Philip, but they can never, ever take away Jesus. You aren't alone. What if we really believed that? Really lived that out? How would it change things? Let me bring you back to our, our grizzly bear, um, Saul. It says in, in, in uh, verse, verse 3, Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragged off men and women, committed them to prison. And Saul, he's not a good dude, right? He's, he's, a hor- he's a face of horror. I know we've learned he changed, but this is before that, right? Before he gets hit off the, the horse, it's the face of, of terrorism to these people. Now, I want you to imagine, right, because he, he tells his testimony in later epistles four times. Once he even calls himself, what? Gives himself a title. Gives himself a belt, right? Like champion of sinners. <laughs> I'm the chief of sinners, he said. Like who could possibly take their place uh, uh, over me? I was dragging women because they love Jesus into prison. Imagine, though, how he felt as he got knocked off his horse and he's laying there blind and he finds out, oh, it's Jesus. Like, he had to have been thinking. I know I would have been. I'm done. Judgment's coming and I deserve, like, I'm too far gone. I have done too much. I am as bad as it gets. Right? Like, forget it. Like, that has to be what he was thinking. It's over for me. Well, is that true? It's not. But by the mighty grace of God, Paul became saved for all of eternity, and he became the greatest evangelist our church has ever known. Right? Because he was so zealous. It was like, zealous as the grizzly bear. Zealous for Christ. Best free agent signing anyone's ever made. Get Paul on my team, right? Because, because he, he was giving that mighty grace of God. That's his story. And there's a, 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 le- a lesson in that, that story for us. That, that another what if question. What if you aren't beyond the mighty grace of God? Like the something that I preach almost every week. What if it's true? What if you actually believed that you can't be beyond the mighty grace of God? Like maybe you're here, you're dragged here, you're just like, you know what, I'm kind of an agnostic or an atheist. Or, you know, maybe even there's been times in your life where you've mocked Christians. You thought I was stupid and you think the Bible, right? And so maybe God's stirring inside of you something, but you're like, yeah, but I, I've gone too far, right? I've, I've gone too far. We can almost be prideful in that. I don't even know if I believe this anymore, but what am I going to do? Turn back to something that I mocked? Yes. Turn back when I was the enemy of God? Turn into the friend of God? Yeah, that's his mighty grace. Maybe you even would say to me, I'm a bigger sinner than Paul. And maybe even he would agree in heaven. Like, Jamie, actually, I had to give him or her the belt. They're pretty bad. 
Well, here's the thing. You can out-sin Saul, but you cannot out-sin the cross of Jesus Christ. You cannot out-sin the blood that was shed for you. You can't do it. And so if you really, what, what if you really understood that? What if even those of us who are Christians and are feeling kind of pushed to the sidelines because we've really blown it? Like maybe somewhere in your past, you've sinned sexually so bad. You're like, I don't know, Jamie, I was told that was basically the unpardonable sin. It's not. But you feel so dirty and you feel so unwanted and you feel over here. And maybe you're you're a Christian. I'm not judging your heart, but you're just sitting there saying, like, well, you know, I'm not going to go to hell, but I'm certainly not going to be part of the mission. Why would God want me as part of that? He took the grizzly bear and he turned him into the greatest evangelist ever. What do you think he'll do for you and with you? You're not beyond the mighty grace of God. Whether it's addiction, right? I don't know if, if you were here last week on Saturday, you, you, you saw a, a guy that we used to see a lot, but we haven't seen much of. Baptized him. He had a great testimony about how drugs had tried to destroy his life, but God had uh, delivered him from them and loved Jesus, right? And we didn't see him because that stupid satanic drug got to him again. And I would see him here and there. And I'd say, come on, come back to church. He'd be like, I feel too ashamed. And I'm like, no, that's the lie of the enemy. That's when you need to be with others. Well, now he's back in, in... and working hard to, to beat that addiction again. Might even be watching online because he's a little bit of a ways. So I would say to him, and I would say to you, your story's not over. It's not over. Mighty grace of God is bigger than you. Your addiction or your sin or your mess or even the mess that someone else did to you. And some of you are still dealing with abuse that happened to you 20, 30 years ago. And it's still a nightmare, and I get it, right? And I'm not saying God did that, right? But his grace is big enough for you if you trust him. What if we really, really believed that? What if we didn't just say it, we believed it? How would it change? How would it change who we are? How would it change what we, what we do? whether it was financial unfaithfulness, unfaithfulness to a spouse, some other thing that you just feel like you need to carry, will you let God deal with it once and for all? Let him deal with it. He's the only one that can carry it. You can't. And so let's see how this fire, what it did. Now those who were scattered, remember seed, they went about preaching the word. Philip, he went down to the city of Samaria and he proclaimed to them the Christ. Man, Philip. I wish I was more like Philip. He's got to be thinking, why am I enduring this? I do not want to be in Samaria. But there he is, preaching the word of God. I'd be more of a Jonah, I think. Eh, I don't want to do this and run, right? Just being honest. But Philip is in Samaria. Listen, a lot of you know this, but Samaria is not just a place. They are hated by the Jews and vice versa. For centuries. See, what happened was, when the northern tribes of Israel were conquered by Assyria, they had this strategy. Take you out of your place, right? Intermarry to the point where your race is basically gone. See, when the, northern, the southern tribes got conquered by Babylon a while later, 
different strategy, right? They didn't intermarry, so by luck or by blessing, they stayed pure to their bloodline. So when they all came back to the promised land, right, and the southern tribes who still felt pure wanted to rebuild the walls and the temple and all that, and then the, the, the Samaritans, the, what they called half-breeds, wanted to help, they said, get out of here. You're not part of God's family anymore. And so they did what we all do. They went over here, and they built their own temple, and then they said, the Christ is going to come to us and not you, and they hated each other. For centuries and centuries. And now, Philip, not by choice, right? Not by choice, is scattered to Samaria. And you can see him. If it was a movie, he'd be preaching Christ, and you'd have these dramatic flashbacks, right? Cool music, right? Flashing back, maybe of Jesus sitting with a Samaritan woman at the well. said, you come to me. You need living water. And then, a, and then a, a flashback of, of Jesus saying to his apostles, in Samaria, the harvest, it's ripe. The laborers are few. Maybe a flashback of Jesus telling a parable of the good Samaritan. And lastly, the flashback of Jesus saying, guys, I need you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And finally, Philip and others are doing it. And that message of the gospel is so beautiful to them because in God's kingdom there are no half-breeds. Bigotry is taken away. Prejudice is gone. All those man-made walls are destroyed because the gospel says we all need Jesus. And we're all 100% citizens of the kingdom when he saves us. And so the, the uh uh, awesome re- the awesome effect, which is just always the case, wherever you are, when the gospel was planted, crowds with one accord, they paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and they saw the signs that he did, for even unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. The power of God was happening. But the biggest power was those coming to Christ. So there was much joy in that city. The fire of one city becomes the joy of another. And, 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 and you know in that, maybe not as much Philip, he seems like a really strong Christian, but some of the others that were with him had to have been like, why God? There is no point to this. We were doing so well. Everything was good. Why are we displaced from our homes? Why do we have to run for our lives? Why do we got this grizzly bear Saul after us? Why are we in Samaria of all places? Well, what if, right, what if God is doing something in your pain? We know he was doing something in theirs. What if he's doing something in yours? And I know it's a cliche to say, but what if he actually believed it? Like, I don't know if you, who's like me where it seems like you only really grow in faith when you're going through a hard time? Anybody want to admit it? (laughs) Yeah. Some of you are just better than others. That's okay. We're, We're good. I even pray a lot. I'm like, Jesus, why can't I grow in good times? And I'm always met with that kind of silence, like, why do you think, right? It's not like he stops me from growing, but I get lazy or I start thinking I'm doing it, right? It's just how it goes. But man, when when a fire happens, right, when I don't know what to do, that drives me to my knees. It drives me to him. And it's just... All I got is you, Jesus. What if, what if 
you realize that God is doing something in your pain? What if? I mean, it, it, some of you are a little older in the room. Not old, just older. You look back, right? How many can look back and say, oh, I see what God was doing in that breakup or what God was doing in that problem. I see it now. So if he was doing something in that pain, why would he not be doing something in this? And I'm not saying he's causing the pain. Sometimes he does. But he certainly doesn't sin. If someone has, has brutally hurt you, that's not God doing that. But he sure will use it. He sure will. What if he's actually accomplishing something in that? That purpose. Right? That, that what, and, and lastly, like, what if we actually understood the purpose of our lives? Because we, we and, I, and I know it's another thing I tell you almost every week, and I'm not going to stop. Because we're like rubber bands. We just snap back. And what we do is we think the good gifts from God are actually the point of our lives. Right? We think, like, we, we, we enjoy them, so it must be the purpose, so we pursue them at all costs. And if, if the purpose of your life is comfort, pleasure, success, all of those things, pain has no place in that theology. Because pain is not comforting, it's not pleasurable, it's not successful. And so if I'm feeling pain, this is not good. But your purpose is not those things. Right? Your purpose, uh, and, and no matter who you are, your purpose is to be, you're made in the image of God for the glory of God. Made in the image of God. No matter who you are, you might not be, like, I don't even believe in God. It does not matter. You are still imprinted with the image of God. You have an everlasting soul, and you have eternity set in your hearts. Every one of us do. And you know there's something greater. You know it. It's this epic thing, right? There's a reason why you love the epic movies. Your dog doesn't like the epic movies. Your dog doesn't care when the latest Spider-Man comes out. Doesn't care. Your cat doesn't play the video game with the, the arc of the hero and you, you conquest, right? There's a reason we just have this in us. It's because God's made us with a purpose that's the greatest mission there ever is, the reconciliation of people to him. And so you are given this, that, that, that you are uh, made in his image. That means you are eternally valuable to him. If you think I'm not valuable to anybody, you are eternally valuable to the infinite God. Think of that. But you were made in his image for his glory. Not yours. Not mine. You were made for his glory. So what if we understood that? That our purpose is different. Now listen, as I said, I love the good gifts from God. I do. I was, you know, good friends, good family, good food, just Man, good stuff. Those are gifts. I don't, like, the, I, I was just on vacation, and, and uh, a lot of you know this, but I love the beach. Anyone love the beach here? Who hates the beach? Raise your hand if you hate the beach. Get out. No, I'm just kidding. I love you. It seems like there's no in between, right? My mom's blood's rolling in me. She loved the beach. My daddy hates it. He comes for about 15 minutes. We don't really see him, right? He pays for everything, and that's it. No. We see him afterwards, but, you know, he does the grocery shopping and the laundry. We love him, right? But, but I love it. So, so there, the, the idea of sitting there and it's just the, the perfect temperature, there was even a, a point where I was like, thought to myself, man, maybe I should do something different. Maybe I should become a lifeguard, something like that. 
And I know I don't have the strength, the skills, or the stamina to be a lifeguard in a pool, let alone the beach, okay? I know that. Just my dream, all right? But here's the thing. It's awesome to be on the beach. It's not the mission or the purpose God asked for me. The purpose was to get off. This past Tuesday, a lot of you know, very, very sad funeral. Nobody in the church, they just didn't have anyone. It was a sad funeral. I'm not going to lie. I, I, if you gave me the choice, I would have chose the beach over being there. But that's not the mission. The mission was to stand there, to hug this, uh, a mother of this woman who had passed and to have her weep and pray for her and assure her of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the mission. That's your purpose. You're, you might not be a pastor. You don't get out of that purpose. Right? And, and, and so the question is, how would we look at pain? How would we look at circumstances in our life if we realized that's our purpose? How would it change? How would it change if we actually saw that, 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 that the purpose of my marriage is to glorify God? The purpose of my parenting is to glorify God, not for my kids to glorify me. Or the purpose of my job is to glorify God, come what may. What would it change? What's one or two or three sort of mind shift changes you might make if you said, today, my purpose, despite the pain, is to recognize he's doing something in it, and it's to glorify him. First of all, you'd breathe. Get out of the rat race of trying to make your life about how successful you are and awesome you are. You feel like a failure every day because you'll never get there. You'll never measure up because that's not your purpose. But instead, you can breathe and say, hey, if I glorify God today, I win, even if nobody else knows but him. What's one or two or three things you would do differently in your marriage or your home or work or community, whatever, your schools, campuses, what would you do? It's a good thing to pray about as we leave here. Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name I pray. I pray first of all for those who are here who are in pain or who will be entering a season that they don't even know yet, and could be me, of pain, grief, confusion. Oh, Lord, would you remind them that you are in it with them, Jesus, when they feel shunned, when they feel pushed aside, they are not alone. I can't convince them of that, but, oh, Spirit, you can. I pray you would. Convince us, Lord, you're doing something with that pain. You're working for our good and for your glory. We have eternal value to you. That's amazing. Wow. Creator of the whole universe holds each one of us eternally valuable. What a, what a thing to sing about. Father, if there's anyone who's in the sidelines of ministry or their life today because they just feel like they've gone beyond your grace. Remind them of Saul the grizzly bear. That their life has purpose to come back to you. To know there's grace found 
in the name of Jesus Christ, that they cannot outsin the cross. Lord, I pray for those who are not yet Christians in the room or watching this with us. I, I ask for, if you're stirring their heart, give them the faith to believe. To believe, Lord Jesus, you are where freedom is found and only you. That they would say yes to you. And again, may all of this bring you glory that you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you can, stand with us and sing praises together.